Hello, and welcome to another episode of That Can't Be Right, Adventures in Graduate School. My name's Eric, and we're going to be talking about following your passion. Uh, it's a thing that gets mentioned a lot when talking about college or grad school or really just life in general, this notion of following your passion. And I really want to go over whether or not that's a good idea. Um, people tell you that you should follow your passion. You should always look for something that you enjoy to do as your career. Uh, if you uh, do something that you'll love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I've often found that to be strange advice. Because uh, there isn't, <laughs> there's a joke about that. The If you get a degree in what you love, you'll never work a day in your life because no one's hiring in your field. <clears throat> there's a similar problem with with that. In that if you get a career in what you love, you'll never work a day in your life because you'll be working every second of your life. You'll no longer be able to find that thing that you love and do it as a distraction or something that you actually enjoy. <clears throat> Which seems very counterintuitive, the idea that if you pursue a thing that you will do automatically or that you do because you really truly enjoy it, when it becomes work, it becomes problematic. And some of this comes back to motivational theory. <clears throat> we have, within ourselves, we have uh, multiple things that will, are considered motivating. And we can look at motivation in terms of external motivation and internal motivation. Prior to the 1970s, we really considered all motivation to be more or less the same. So if it was a thing that I wanted to do and that someone was willing to pay me to do, those were considered to be equally motivating. And that's uh, the impetus behind a lot of uh, grades and feedback and all kinds of other stuff. So that's where part of this idea comes from, is that if we do something that we enjoy and someone pays us, that makes it better. Unfortunately, that can't, that's not true. <clears throat> and that really is the, the element here that's often very shocking. Um, so Edward Deasy, in the 19, early 1970s, late 60s, early 70s, uh, was doing work in motivation and it, through, from a management perspective. I mean, he wasn't convinced that all motivation was created equal. So he set up an experiment where people were asked to do things that they kind of enjoyed. And in an experimental group, they were paid to do it. So they did it for a little while, like, yeah, that's kind of fun. And then one group was offered money if they continued doing it. Like, okay. And as soon as the monetary reward was removed, they stopped doing it. And in fact, they never really increased the amount that they performed the activity. But once the monetary reward was removed, it actually dropped. So what that was showing was that if you're internally motivated to do something and someone offers you money to do it, if someone externally compensates you, it actually will, can decrease your motivation to perform that same action or it will have no additive effect, which really screams you know, that that can't be right. That if I really like doing something, if I like, you know, 
um, painting portraits and someone offers to pay me to paint a portrait, I should be more motivated to get that done. But in reality, that's not the case. Uh, it actually strips motivation. Uh, I have friends who do woodworking. They do some really cool stuff and they absolutely refuse to take commissions, um, which I think is, I've always found strange and mildly annoying because I want them to make me things. Uh, and they often will, but they refuse to get paid for it. It's just a, oh, well, I'm going to make this thing for Eric, as opposed to, I'm going to make this thing for $5 or $20 or $100. And because now the person in control is no longer you. And that's a part of uh, DC and Ryan's uh, self-determination theory that when someone pays you to do a thing or someone gives you a grade, so you're in your grad classes or your undergraduate classes, or even in high school, the person assigning you a grade is the one who actually controls your motivation. So it's easy to ignore that person. But, but that brings us to a problem of, well, what do you do um, if you're not supposed to follow your passion because that can ultimately end up in, in burnout? And that's honestly one of the things that, that really is a problem. If you really want to go out and do something that you personally feel is uh, important, it can lead to, to burnout. And it's because of that lack of motivation. So because you're no longer in control of your own destiny, you thought you were because you did this thing that you pursued this degree, you were in this field because it was something that was uh, personally important to you and personally motivating. But now it belongs to someone else. Someone else sets your agenda. Someone else decides uh, what's going to happen next. Uh, Bill Watterson, the uh, creator of Calvin and Hobbes, was kind of given some static about this years and years ago. And he made a cartoon about how it's important not to love your job, but to have a job that you can tolerate so that you can do the things that you actually love. So that's where your passion really should go. If there's a, so if you really enjoy music, um, it may not be ideal for you to go get a degree in, in music and then go out and try to make a living at it because it stops being fun. It stops being that thing that you enjoy and it becomes a job, which seems like such a strange attitude to think, oh, well, I mess around all the time. I, uh, I, I just go in the recording studio and I make music. I make this art. And, you know, that should be this invigorating, empowering thing. But it's still a job. <laughs> um uh, and I think that's something that people forget. So what I usually encourage people to do instead of following their passion, I encourage people more to follow their compulsion, which sounds even stranger. But I know that for me, one of the things I, I really enjoy is making things uh, more streamlined. Um, I like very... I like very simple things. Um, so I do a lot of statistical analysis and some of my colleagues will give me a hard time because I'll write up the code for it to, to run it in R or Python or whatever I'm writing it in. And now I'll go back and rewrite that code over and over again 
trying to figure out a way to get it from, you know, 30 lines to run one particular analysis and give me a table to that I then have to export into something else and then modify that table in, in Word or in whatever else I need to use in order to get it to look right. I will modify my code to make it fewer lines of code. So if I can get, do it in 30, can I do it in 20? Can I, can, how many of these things can I collapse? How many of these things can I combine? Can I get R to not only do my analysis, but also to create my tables and to make them look right? Can I do that all in just one go? And they, they think I'm kind of crazy, which is, which is fine. Because it is, it's a compulsion. It's a thing that I have to do. I have to go back and fix it. Um, even when it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, why does it matter that this row has the wrong label on it? Or that it has a different label on it? Or why does it, why you care what color those bars are? Like, well, I, I need the bars to look right. Or why is it that you want R to export your plot with, uh, with, with the captions already built in? Like, I just do. <laughs> um, and it, it's the same thing with most of the aspects of my life. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I prefer Art Deco over Art Nouveau. Um, and Ernie Bushmuller, the uh, cartoonist who uh, did Nancy forever ago, I mean, he, he made an argument that when you're drawing background in materials, you just need three of them. So if you want to show that there's a clump of grass over there, three blades of grass, you got it done. You need a pile of rocks, three rocks, you're done. Don't You don't need more. Just, just put it in there and everything's fine. And I really like that, which is a little strange. That may not be your compulsion. It almost certainly isn't. Um, but if you find thing, yourself doing something without the need of reward, you don't even feel happy about it. Uh, you, you do a thing and you feel satisfied that it's done, but it doesn't fill you with joy. I know when I find out information or when I, I have a bunch of strange hobbies and when they work out, I'm really happy, but it doesn't matter. I it wasn't, if I never did it again, I'd be like, Oh, that's, that, that's sad. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't feel weird about it. Um, so that's what you need to find. And to remember that your grad school experience is not about finding your passion. It's not about finding that thing that you have absolute joy in. It's about finding that thing that you can do, that you enjoy a little bit, and you can tolerate, and that you think creates something worthwhile for the world. Your motivation should be, I think this is important, not... I think this is important and I can monetize it because if you're doing it because you think it's important, you'll keep doing it. If you do it because you don't know what else to do, you, you, you're, you're compelled to write code that makes statistical analysis easier to comprehend. You're compelled to create visualizations that make things more understandable or uh, maybe you're compelled to come up with new educational techniques or ways to use technology in a classroom or in a hospital or who cares in, in you know if you if your compulsion really is to figure out how target can sell more bottles of soap 
great. Uh, someone needs to do that. I don't, I don't want to do it. Uh, someone should, and it shouldn't be me. Um, or if you love the idea of, of designing new cars or new pens, I can use a new pen. That's what you should be looking for, but not something that you find motivating. You don't look at it and think, oh, well, here's this thing that I really enjoy. It's a hobby of mine. How can I convert that into something else, into a job? Don't do that. You'll, it will ruin your hobby and it will make you very unhappy. Um, lots of research on this. Um, again, a lot of this comes from uh, self-determination theories, so anything involving uh, Ryan and DC or DC and Ryan, because they're two people that work together a lot and just sort of flop first author a whole bunch. But it's all the same idea that motivation that is internal, that, you know, that is yours, that you feel competent at. So you have this need to feel competent. Great. If it's a, if you're an act, performing some sort of activity that you feel competent at, and that allows you to feel related to the community that you are a part of. That's what you need. When you start bringing in external factors like, oh, if I do this, then uh, I'll be able to make all this money or I'll be able to get a new house or I'll be able to, or, or who knows, you'll finally have the approval of your high school principal. You, you're just going to be unhappy. Your motivation will wane quickly. And that's really not any good. So that's my advice for right now for, uh, for graduate school is, or honestly work life in general, that find something that you can tolerate, but isn't your passion. Because as soon as someone starts paying you for your passion, it stops being fun and you're not going to want to do it anymore. And that's just the way the world is, even if it sounds like that can't be right. So thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next week.